Every week we um, confess in the Apostles' Creed that we believe in the Holy Catholic Church. What we are saying is we believe in the, the universal church, which is spread across the globe, uh, spread across the world. Um, and uh, we have this morning the opportunity uh, to experience right, the universal church. Uh, here in our midst, uh, Andrew Muo has traveled a great distance to come to us. You live in Kent, England, is that right? Uh, he is living in Kent. He's not in Zambia at present, but he will hopefully go back there in a few years. You hope to, to move home to Zambia. Um, but we have the opportunity to get to hear from uh, Andrew and, and the work that God is doing in that beautiful land uh, with those beautiful people. And... Um, in, in spreading his gospel, in, in transforming lives and transforming communities and uh, doing it through, uh, through the preaching of his word um, and through the training of, of men and women to go do that. So uh, Andrew can tell you all a lot more about PIZ than I can. And uh, I know you'll come to tea and the posies will have to open the windows and you can sit outside and listen in and excited for you to hear more from him. Um, but would you come on up, Andrew, and... Um, and please share with us uh, from God's word. Good morning. Um, we'll shortly be turning to Exodus chapter 18, that verses 13 to 27. Um, before we look at that passage, uh, let me say, a few things about uh, Proclamation Institute Zambia. Before I say something about Proclamation Institute Zambia, let me say something about myself. <laughs> All right, so I was born in a village, rural part of Zambia, uh, northeast part of the country, very close to Malawi. Um, I got served in 1970 at uh, Lusaka Baptist Church. This is after I attended Sunday school at a Scottish Presbyterian church in the village. But when I went to the capital city, um, that's where I got converted. My wife got served in 1975. We got married in 1978. We have five grown-up children, and we have our seventh grandchild last week. Um, <laughs> That's, uh, that's about uh, the family. We thank God that all our five children are in the Lord. They are saved. And the four who are married, they've also married uh, believers. For that, we thank the Lord. Now, I've worked in finance. I've been a pastor. I've, I've worked in cross-cultural ministry. And now, uh, working with a charity to do with training uh, preachers. It's the time that um, I served as a pastor in Zambia for 10 years that uh, the need to train uh, people in good Bible handling skills that came up. I attended a seminar in church-based evangelism and church planting in Hawaii in 1978, uh, sorry, 19, um, 1998. And when I went back home, I was able to challenge our church and say, we can plant a church per year and we were able to do that uh, four consecutive years. But now it's when we did the last church plant that I found we didn't have anyone to send in the rural uh, setting. So there was a need you know, for us to actually train 
people who can go into church planting work. It is only when we relocated to the UK that as I was sharing about church planting in our church, that uh, one of the people said, uh, if what's your need now? I said, we need to set up a Bible college. And they said, if you are serious about that, we can you know, find resources so that we can begin. And so I was very excited. Um, I actually left the cross-cultural ministry and concentrated on Proclamation Institute Zambia, which was established in, 19, so in 2016. Uh, in 2016, and it's been going, you know, for these almost seven years now. Uh, we've had about 95 graduates so far, and that's current year, we have 17 uh, students in the class. Why set up Proclamation Institute Zambia when there are uh, universities teaching the Bible in the country and so on? Well, the emphasis of Proclamation Institute Zambia is context, Context, context. We want the Bible to be taught in its context. Unfortunately, you know, we've been beamed from America, um, some of the prosperity teaching that has come into Zambia. Um, some of it is not sticking to scripture. And so we want to make sure that uh, people are not just caught up by the fact that uh, they can become rich by doing this and so on, but rather, when they open a text of scripture, they must teach what it says. Because, I mean, very, very easy for people to teach something else other than what is in the text. And so the Bible handling skills are there to try and help the students teach what is in the Bible. Some of you may be aware that um, the center of gravity for the church has moved to the southern hemisphere. So you find the church growing in, uh, in uh, Brazil area, what do you call this, uh, South America on the southern side, and Africa and Asia. You know, there's a lot of growth in Zambia. Church attendance is like 80%. Not everybody is born again, but we're very religious. 26% uh, of the population are evangelical believers. But what we lack are the well-trained are ministers. So you have a, a big congregation that discipling is a challenge. And you know, world missionaries are going to come from the Southern Hemisphere. And so we need to invest in training people in that particular area. This is how you come in. <laughs> uh, your partnership. You know, training is expensive. We need that partnership in prayer. We need our partnership in money. We need partnership in the ministry. We would love uh, you to send your pastor to come and teach for a week so that uh, you know, the students benefit from that. So there are many ways of uh, partnering in this particular work. And so we would love you to pray with us so that the Lord can help us uh, raise a new generation of preachers. Right, like 2 Timothy 2, uh, 2. it talks about... Uh, you know, they, you, have, you have taught these people, like Paul was able to teach Timothy, and Timothy is told that you must teach others who should also teach others, who should also teach others. Uh, it's very important that if you are dealing with false teaching, you don't just teach that generation, you teach the next generation, you know, as well. Um, we, we have, uh, Miguel here has got a number of uh, pictures and videos that I've shared with him that you'll be able to show the church at, at the right time. 
and so that you can see what is going on, you know, concerning the college. All right, um, I know you know that I can go on for a long time. Let me uh, move on to Exodus chapter 18 and verse 13 to 27. It's very interesting this morning in our Sunday school study in Psalm uh, 67, there was this talk of us, you know, to moving as a, as a church, the plural uh, elements that was coming out, not uh, wanting to be so individualistic. And it's interesting that uh, the passage we are dealing with, you know, Moses is being challenged. Don't think you are the only one who can do the job. There are others. <laughs> uh, you need to mobilize the right people and so that they can be able to help you in that particular ministry. So we are thinking about multiplying our leaders God's way. Multiplying leaders in a God's way. The first thing I want uh, us to be aware of what is coming out of the passage is that uh, church ministers, preachers, church workers, church leaders, the Bible says you should not wear yourselves out in ministry. Look at verse 17 and verse 18. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out, for this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Don't wear yourself out. Don't burn out uh, in ministry. See, the Lord Jesus Christ said to his disciples, he would, he would tell them in, in Mark, uh, you read it in Mark chapter 6, verse 31, where he tells them, you know, come aside, right, to a lonely place, to a deserted place, so that you can rest, you know, a while. The Lord was concerned about his disciples so that they don't burn out in terms of ministry. Christian uh, ministry is plural. Don't be like Moses who would say, I am the only one who can do this job. No one else can do it. We are told even in Ephesians uh, chapter 4 that the Lord appointed apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists you know, the church, it's not, you're, you're not the owner of the church. The Lord Jesus Christ is the owner of the church and he has appointed, you know, workers in the church. Christian ministry is plural. So apply the principle of delegating. Don't think you are the best person who can do Sunday school and no one else can do it. You are the only one who can do youth ministry and no one else can do it. You are the only one who knows how to pray and no one else can do it. You know, the principle of delegating is important. Now I've come across some pastors who get worn out simply because they're the only one who, the only one who preaches every Sunday. They're the only ones who pray. They're the only ones who uh, read the scriptures. They're the only ones who do the visitation. And no one else in the church does anything. They are the ones in charge. Now, that is not really the teaching of Scripture. Moses was told, 
you delegate. In the church, God has appointed people with different gifts, and they are there for the building up of the people of God so that the church can be mature and so that the church can uh, uh, encourage people to do ministry. And you church members don't say, I don't have a gift. But believers, every believer God has given a gift. That I would like, uh, he would like you to use that gift you know, for the building up of the people you know, of God. So I hope we'll take that uh, uh, principle seriously. Don't, don't be an idle church member. Uh, you're only looking to the elders and looking to the others uh, to do this and the other. No, we all have been given a gift. Don't say, I don't have a gift. If you don't know how to discover your gift, see the elders, all right? See the pastor. You know, there, there are ways that you can be able to find out uh, how you've been gifted. And so that there is this working together and not be like Moses who was worn out trying to do everything as if he was the only one who was given the work, you know, of, of the Lord. But the Bible says the people that are going to work with you, you must choose these people with these characteristics. This is where... Uh, the choosing of other workers is very important. The first one is that you must only uh, work with the people that are spiritual. Look at uh, verse 21. Verse 21. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men such as fear God. If you are going to be a leader in the church of God, you must fear God. God. God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is everywhere. He knows all our heart's secrets. And he's going to judge those who reject the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, if you have a religion where the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't come in, you know very well that it's a false religion. The ones who fear God, they come to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other name under which we must be saved except the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you fear God, you are going to come to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. You are going to come to a point and say, yes, I'm born a sinner and I can't change myself. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can change me. So you come humbly to the Lord. He has shown us humility already. You know, he's the one who came and suffered. He was crucified by the creatures. He was buried and he rose again from the dead. And whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I've come across churches where they appoint leaders who are not born again. That is not what uh, Moses is being told here. Moses is being told, select leaders, delegate leaders, who are, who are people who fear God, people who are in the Lord. And so the church leaders must be born again. That's very important 
um, as far as the word of God is concerned. So they must be spiritual. They must be people who read their Bibles. They must be people who pray. It's important that you have spiritual leaders who know what God is saying. Otherwise, there's no point. If, I mean, if you are not a person who, uh, who prays and reads your scriptures, and uh, you want to lead the people of God, and you don't know what you are leading them about, that's not right. You must choose leaders who fear God. They must be spiritual. Secondly, he says they must have a good character. Um, he says people who fear God, many of truth, hating covetousness. People who hate uh, covetousness. You know, there is, there is the issue of, of character. In the Christian uh, walk, it's not a matter of just ability, that you can do this, you can do the other. The first thing that is listed when choosing elders and deacons has to do with the character. Right? The person is above reproach. Right? Uh, if they are, they are married, make sure that there's harmony with the husband you know, and the wife. It's very important that uh, the character comes in. A person who is scandalous is going to scandalize the church. And so the character comes in very much. If they are lovers of money, they are going to steal the money in the church. So you need a person who has a good character, who is not, you know, covetous as it were. Character matters more important than ability. If you are choosing leaders, make sure you know about how they are at their places of work, uh, in their home, uh, and in society as a whole. How are they conducting themselves? Is it according to scripture or is it something else? Also, the importance of character here comes in in terms of uh, choosing leaders. And then thirdly, there is the issue of ability. It says, choose able uh, men. It's not good just having a good character. You must be able to do the job, right? The job must be done. Uh, it needs to be done, and therefore you must choose the right people who have the ability to do it. That's what the Bible is telling us in there. And if they don't have that ability, you can train. All right? So they, if they have got a good character, there's the ability of training uh, that comes in here. I mean, if you look at verse 20, and you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the work that they must do. So there's, there's an element of training. And that is how, uh, for example, in, in Proclamation Institute Zambia, when we are investing in these uh, men and women, that they may be able to be trained in the Bible handling skills and so that they can be able to teach others as well. So when you are delegating to someone, make sure that they know what they're going to do. And if they don't know what to do, Maybe they are trainable. And maybe some people may not be trainable, I don't know. But at least you can train, you know, those that are able, you know, to learn. Training becomes very important. And that's what we invest, you know, we invest in that as much as possible. And when we face difficulties, the Bible says, bring them to the Lord. Look at verse 19. 
Listen now to my voice. I'll give you counsel, and God will be with you. Stand before God, the people, uh, so that you may bring the difficulties to God. It doesn't mean that uh, when you have chosen people with the right character and the people who have the ability and you have done all the training and therefore there will be no problems in the church. No, there will be difficulties. But it says you must pray. Bring the difficulties, you know, to God. So in a local church, there is what we might call a partnership in ministry. Some teach Sunday school, some teach the youth, some um, you know, teach different groups that you have in the church. And so we are all working together as a partnership in the gospel. But you know that can extend to uh, the global your level in terms of partnership. The greatest example we have of partnership is in the Trinity. God the Father planned our salvation. God the Son executed that salvation. And God the Holy Spirit indwells the believer. He lives in the believer. And there is that partnership uh, between the Trinity. And that is what should be happening. You know, Moses was trying to work alone. He is the only one who knows what God wants. No, no, no. There must be a partnership in the work of the Lord, whether it be it at the local church level or the international church. Say, like, um, take the work of evangelism. You may be able to do evangelism as a local church together, but you might also partner with the other uh, believers in the city and do the work of evangelism across the whole town as long as you are working with believers. That partnership can happen. Don't think you are the only ones who believe in God. There are others who believe in God as well. And therefore, we can work together, you know, as long as uh, we, have, we are similar in terms of our convictions, as it were. Partnership at the local church level and the wider, you know, church is important. Remember like one time Elijah said, uh, I think I'm the only one here. And yet the Lord said, I've got others. Right? He might be saying that we are the only ones in uh, Siloam Springs. There's no other. There's, no, there's nothing else out there. But you know, the Lord may have his own people in other places. But how are we partnering in terms of the work of, of the gospel? Partnership in prayer. Partnership in care. Partnership financially. Our partnership in ministry. Partnership in discipleship. There are many ways that we can do that. Let us multiply the work of the Lord by delegating to those who are qualified and they have the ability, you know, to do the work of God. Now, these qualities I've been talking about are Christian uh, qualities. If they sound very strange to you, you have never come across them, well, it might be that you may need to ask maybe one of the church leaders, how can I, you know, know the Lord Jesus Christ in a very personal way? How can I uh, be a child of God? How can, I, how can I be saved? How can I enter the kingdom of God? Because these qualities that God gave to Moses are qualities for the people 
you know, of God. You are not the only one to work with others. Let us just briefly pray together. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and pray that you may apply this to our hearts. For we pray this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.